Kia ora koutou and welcome to this week's episode of Let's Get Sexual. I am Alicia and I'm the host of this sexually explorative podcast. I'm really excited about today's episode. As you know, I'm excited about every episode we have on. But what was really interesting about recording this episode was that it was such a learning experience for me. The guest we have is Tom and he discusses relationship anarchy, new modern ways of having relationships. Well, they really shouldn't be that modern and they probably aren't, but it's about discovering relationships and how you want to have them. It's not about societally dictated ways of having relationships. And he discusses interpersonal relationships and the importance of opening communication in so many areas of our lives. I just learned a lot. It's it's a really informative, really awesome discussion. And I am so appreciative of Tom coming in, talking about his story and just being so open about how he's chosen to live his life. And I really think that each of us can take away some really key pieces of information from this. He is just an incredible person, and I can't wait for you to listen to what he's got to say. So enjoy. Hey, Tom, thanks so much for coming along and agreeing to be part of this podcast. No worries. I'm excited to be here. To get introduced to who you are as a person, I've got an initial question for you. And no pressure, take some time to think about it if you want. But if you could make one difference in the world, what would it be? Is that like, is is it one difference as in I can create one cause of change? Or is it one difference in like the, I I guess like what counts as one difference is really what I'm asking. It's up to you. And that's why it's such (laughs) an open question. To make it more complicated for you, we'll psychoanalyze it later. Yeah, this, yeah. This is to find out how you think and who you are as a person. So it's going to tell a lot. Like my gut reflex is abolish capitalism. Um, Ooh, I feel like I can do. I can do better than that, right? <laughs> I can do. I can do like the the underlying systems um, on a similar vein. Changing people's willingness to question the current systems that we use and mm. to move towards systems that are more fit for purpose because there's a lot of things that we do as a society that just don't really make sense that like if you were to start building culture from the ground up you wouldn't end up with uh my go-to example would be like you wouldn't end up with an educational system that looks like our education system yeah. does in western society because it's it's fucked and we all know that it's fucked and we can't do anything about it um yeah so do you swear on your podcast yeah uh, <laughs> oh, good, good. Good. A little hard out. yeah uh, that's that's my one change no i like it yeah it's kind very of very small i mean oh, i'm sure you could have done <laughs> yeah. if you start tomorrow please that would be wonderful you just have to basically change like humanity's mindset no well no. this is yeah this is the problem right like you, you'd never get to where we are if you started from like scratch try to like we're gonna mm. do the whole you know, we're get, we're going to create all of human society in the way that we do things all at once in a coherent fashion. Did you never end up where we are now? Yeah. Um, but it's really hard to to take where we've got to and kind of fix it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like one of those cities that started off really small, then over time people have just randomly added to it in order to fix it. And it's just turned out into this jumbled mess. Yeah, like Auckland. Yeah, basically like <laughs> And I think it's definitely introduced who you kind of are as a person. <laughs> <laughs> 
They're all going like, whoa, we could have a completely different podcast episode here. <laughs> Move off from sexuality for a bit. Well, as you know, obviously this podcast is about sexuality. And one area we've been talking about the most are the beliefs and messages that we learn as children about sexuality. So what would you say are the key beliefs that you took out of your younger years on sexuality? Like, I, I think my experience growing up was was similar to, to a lot of people growing up at that time, which is that, like, all of the media that you're seeing on TV is around um, a bunch of, like, cisgender, heterosexual people who are climbing the relationship escalator. So they're, you know, you, you date for a while and then you move in together and then you uh, move out of your apartment and buy a house and then you have kids and... Um, you know, build a white picket fence and whatever. Like it's, it's, it's just a bunch of people with the exact same goals and ambitions for what they want out of their relationships. And that's everything that you see in the media and in the people around you and like your friends, parents and stuff like that. Um, With the exception of, of a lot of friends, parents being divorced or separated. But there's kind of just that one story, um, which I guess is, is around the relationships as well as the sexuality. But in the sexuality, it's like growing up in the, the 90s, um, still lots of jokes about like or in, insults about people being gay. Um, and that's just a part of like an accepted part of the culture that that's an insult, right? Like, whereas now I think that's mostly getting challenged like even within groups of young people whereas like for me growing up that was just like a normalized thing um that that being gay was inherently insulting Mm, Um, definitely yeah so how do you think that I mean, you, you came from very cookie-cutter messages, right? Like, even Brie and I have talked about this before, mm. and we talked about our sexuality stories. That was the same. We just saw this cookie-cutter lifestyle. But it was, I mean, it was a facade for most people, right? And the thing is, like, how did you go from learning those messages, seeing those messages, and then moving to where you are now in your sexuality? And I should probably say... When I'm talking about sexuality, I'm talking about it holistically. So it's like your relationships, intimacy, connection. It's not just about sex um, or sexual orientation. And it's, it's that kind of like holistic space. Yeah, yeah. Because everything's, everything's interconnected, right? Mm, definitely. Uh, so I, I guess for, for me, like as I, as I got older, uh, started on a, on a slow journey of, of discovery. And that comes from like initially initially it would be like people online having conversations and just being open about where they're at and kind of realizing as you said like the cookie cutter thing is just a facade and that no one's well not many people are actually like living that kind of life and so having those conversations and just normalizing um different relationship styles and different wants and desires that you can have in a relationship um and then kind of going from having that online, uh, whether that was in online communities or just like videos that people were sharing, um, into having conversations with people in the real world about like what they were after and like just experiencing a much wider variety of worldviews. And I feel like that the scope of that has just continued to widen it as I have got older. And I'm not sure if that's like an aging thing and just like the people 
that I'm talking to and the content that I'm experiencing. Um, I think there's definitely a bit of like the world moving in that direction as well, like on a global scale uh, where we are getting better at having those conversations. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting though. Cause I think once you start having those conversations, you've just opened a door because I know people that have never really talked about this stuff, although they live in the same, you know, society I do. So it's amazing. You have to kind of be open to learning about it, be curious about it. And then once you start, you know, it's just very easy to find. But for other people, yeah, and I guess once, once you start creating that community, right, you're going to a attract more people who are interested in having those conversations to your community, but also you're going to, the people who are, maybe wouldn't have those conversations of their own volition kind of mm. end up getting more and more open because that because that's with any culture building thing it's about like demonstrating the the behaviors that the group's going to have right and if one of the the core values of the group is being open and communicating about that sort of stuff then even the people who maybe wouldn't do that in other groups will end up sharing their experiences because it's kind of normalized Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of gives people permission. I feel like when you start yeah, conversation, yeah. permission now for you to be able to open up to that kind of conversation and reflect in your own life and yeah, go down that pathway. Exactly. There's a social, it's one of those like social taboos, right? Is that you, cause that's, that's the other thing that, you know, growing up watching shitty TV in the nineties, um, you don't talk about your relationships. You just like, especially not with your partner, like you might mm-hmm. complain to your close friends about them, but you're never going to actually like use your words to communicate with the person that you're in a relationship with. It's mean, um, a crazy concept, communicating with the person you're with. I know, right? <laughs> That's but like once you, once awesome. you open that door and, and you kind of break that, that social taboo of communication, which is such a weird thing to have like social boundaries about, but we do. Mm. Um, yeah. It's, it becomes so much easier to have those conversations and to, to help other people in your life have those conversations. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So going from that original, this is what a relation, romantic relationship looks like. How have you changed it? How have you worked romantic relationships to fit your lifestyle and life choices? Yeah. Uh, so, I, my, my brief, brief relationship history, and I will try to keep this brief. Uh, I had a, oh, I had my, my first girlfriend I had for, for two days in year nine, I want to say. Um, she stole my beanie several times, which was a way of flirting apparently, and then asked me out via proxy. Um, so like got someone else to ask, ask me if I wanted to go out with her. Uh, and then uh, that was this was on a Friday, and then by Sunday she had left me for my best friend. Um, yeah, year nine was was full of drama, but that was that was my like first like you know traditional typical relationship. Um, then had another brief thing a couple years later, so year twelve um, for two and a half months, um, which was with one of my really close friends. Where if you're a, a boy and a girl and your close friends uh everyone just kind of assumes that at some point you're going to start dating and yeah. we kind of assumed that too and so we did um and and that didn't work out um and and we're still really good friends which is great uh much better than when we were awkwardly dating uh and then 
I went into a four-year-long monogamous relationship, uh, quickly followed by a two-year-long monogamous relationship, both with pretty decent amounts of long distance. It just didn't work for me. Like, it sucked. Um, And it felt like there was a lot of expectations that uh, my partner and I did not share. Um, So they'd have expectations of of what it would look like that wouldn't fit with the expectations of what uh, I had about what it would look like. And also that, like, societal expectation to fit uh, what you call the cookie cutter, what I call the relationship escalator kind mm. of mold. Um, and even at that point, like, I, I knew pretty firmly that I did not at any point want to, like, get married or have kids, which made the rest of my journey of self-discovery a bit easier, I think, because it's already, like, questioning uh, those norms. So came out of that, um, the two-year-long relationship and was just like, well, like clearly monogamy is just not, it's not my vibe, you know, it's not working for me, Um, especially in this like typical traditional relationship style and uh, ended up reconnecting uh, with a I don't even know if we were friends at that. We were like acquaintances at this point. We, we'd been we'd been briefly close, but like we're talking a real basis. But we, we reconnected and then started talking all of the time, and um, kind of ended up exploring what a relationship could look like together. Towards the end of the uh, the two year long relationships, so the second of my two like proper monogamous relationships, I came across the term aromantic, which is aromantic is to romance what asexual is to sexuality right so it's it's like not being interested in romance uh, which is a label that I was kind of working with like I was it wasn't a label that massively resonated with me but to me it was like a way of this is a label that I can use as an orange flag to just say like hey by the way not interested in a typical relationship right so it was a form of signaling that led to a further conversation about like this is what this means to me and actually the word's not that relevant it's more about the the feeling behind it um and then kind of explored that with with this person about about a year into being emotionally intimate with and occasionally making out with this person came across the term relationship anarchy which is is resonated with me a lot more than uh, aromantic did Uh, and so relationship anarchy is it's about having a relationship and when i say relationship i i have this uh, clarification that I've made with like all the close people in my life. But whenever I use the word relationship, I mean interpersonal relationship, not romantic relationship, unless stated otherwise, because we have relationships with everyone in our lives. This is one of the things that goes back to my, uh, my roots as well is like during my, so during the four year long relationship and the two year, sorry, the four year long romantic monogamous relationship and the two year long romantic monogamous relationship I always felt a lot more intimacy with my close friends than I did with my partners and I resented the fact that there was an expectation that I would put my partners ahead of my friends when I had known my friends for longer I had shared more with them um, and I expected them to be in my lives forever whereas in both of my monogamous romantic relationships I did not expect it to last forever. Like I knew that there was an end in sight because of our uh, core differences in values, both relationship-based and otherwise. Uh, anyway, relationship anarchy is is a system where a relationship and the 
a, a relationship is built by the people in that relationship and only by the people in that relationship. So rather than picking up a, a cookie cutter relationship and kind of inserting yourselves into that and saying, well, this is what society has said a relationship looks like. And therefore we're just going to model that behavior. It's about what do we actually want out of our relationship? And that might be friendship. That might be uh, romance. That might be, cohabitation that that might be sex that might be sex adjacent stuff that might be just casual physical touch that might be our relationship is entirely baking cakes at two in the morning like whatever that is it's about finding and negotiating and communicating what you both want out of the relationship rather than making assumptions about what that's going to look like. Clarifying that relationship anarchy is so interesting because it's actually not a term I've come across before, but it's a concept that's been out there, right? Like creating a relationship, as you said, interpersonal as well, because we do this with friends. You know, we go to friends for different things. We have different types of relationships with different people. And it's very interesting that it's not something we put enough thought into so i really appreciate you clarifying that because it's it's a concept that just fascinated yeah. me i think we need some more um bake at 2am type of friends. bake at 2am yeah, like, yes <laughs> cake baking i love it i fucking love that oh my god why don't i have any type of relationship around that <laughs> but it's, it's about just getting rid of those it's about getting rid of those assumptions right because so often that's where we have problems in our relationships both romantic and interpersonal uh is that we are assuming different things from our partners because we've never communicated around it because you know oh like we've been dating for like two years so of course we're going to be getting engaged really soon like there's there's stuff like that or like you know we've been we've been dating for three months of course we're gonna have sex soon like there's all these assumptions that we have and we don't use our words to actually make sure that we're on the same page and i think you'd find that like in most monogamous romantic relationships unless the people have actively had a conversation about like where they're at, they probably have different assumptions about what their relationship is. I completely agree. This is interesting. I was researching polyamory and different types of relationship structures before this. And one thing that came up was really interesting was that there was supposedly four key values slash tenets for polyamory and it's mutual respect, trust, communication, and consent. And it just blew my mind because I was like, this isn't exclusive for polyamory. Isn't this for any relationship? And I thought, wow, the fact that that has to be highlighted as something unique to polyamory shows that we aren't open or even actively partaking in these values in traditional monogamous relationships. And yeah, we're bad at relationships. Like- yeah. Any relationship, exactly, like any type of relationship should have those key values and any else that, you know, the people within that relationship choose to add. So when you highlighted the fact that we have these assumptions, it is based on these beliefs we grew up with, right? Which are, as we know, many of them are unhealthy beliefs and messages. So you go in having these assumptions. It's ridiculous. It's fucking <laughs> so crazy. Ridiculous. And so what I wanted to actually ask, though, is what's come up from the things you've talked about is communication and how important communication is through your journey of discovering that relationship anarchy that you, that you wanted to develop and determine your own relationships in life. How did you start to develop a healthy communication pattern with people? 
I like. <laughs> I guess I guess the foundation of any communication is is being open, right? Is being willing to to listen to and hear the other person and ensure that you actually understand where they're coming from, as well as being able to articulate where you are coming from. And for me, like the start of that journey was not being able to articulate what I wanted, but it was being able to at the very least say, like, I don't know what I want. So like I know some of the things that I don't want because I have tried them in the past and it definitely hasn't worked. Um, but I don't know what I want and let's like figure that out together. For the the first of my relationship anarchy style, what other people would call partners, the way that we ended up kind of having the first ideas of that like relationship talk was that we were like hanging out one weekend i'd invited myself to stay at her flat um for a couple of nights there was a weekend event going on and um we weren't really like close enough as friends to justify me staying with her but we'd we'd had like a bit of a vibe and so i was like fuck it i'll just like half invite myself and see see if she goes for it and then see what happens like you know that thing where you connect with someone we just feel really close where you could just like rather than take our time we could just pretend that we are already close it was kind of that vibe um but we we were talking about like all sorts of stuff and uh part of that conversation was was relationships and she said that she had had a crush on me and i said that i had a squish on her which um so a a squish a squish is the friend version of a crush um which is a word that i was using because at the time this is when i was thinking of myself as aromantic which is, by, by the way, not a label that I'm like using at the moment. I'm going to go off on another tangent. Tangent on a tangent here. Um, part of the conversation that led me away from aromantic, um, part of the conversation I was having with the same person uh, at a different time was around like, how do you define romance in a way that isn't just like crappy cliches portrayed on tv shows and movies right like how do you define romance in a way that isn't just all of the unhealthy aspects of a relationship that are pitched to us from a young age because i really i still struggle with that definition which is why like aromantic is not really a thing for me anymore because it was rebelling against a thing that is like inherently shit and not actually a thing that really anyone who is thinking about it is is going for intentionally i think um Anyway, was having this conversation. She said she had a crush on me. I said I had a squish on her. A couple hours later, we're like, "Hang on a second! Like, is that like, is there still, is there still some like feels there? Like, yeah." So it's just about being able to have those conversations and those conversations that might feel really awkward, and it's about being able to break that awkward and just kind of own it and acknowledge, like, understand that. If you're having a conversation with someone that you really care about, they're going to be compassionate and they're not going to judge you for saying how you feel. Or they are going to judge you, but they're going to judge you positively, hopefully. And if someone judges you negatively for like expressing how you feel, if you're doing that in a respectful way, then that's that's like a really shitty thing to do. And um, that's not on you. That's on them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think we do take that on us quite a lot. And it, to me, it's a good weed outer, right? If somebody isn't going to hold that space for you, if you can't turn up vulnerably, you're like, okay, thanks, yeah. bye. Well, that's it. It's, I was thinking the whole time it's just about being vulnerable and not. Yeah. If someone makes you feel shame when you're being vulnerable, you're like, great, red flag, see you later. Yeah. Those, you know, those who mind yeah. don't matter, those yeah. who don't mind. 
it's giving people space, I think, too. One thing I've, I've realised is that not as many people have done or know how to be vulnerable. I think mm. what you highlighted before, the fact that we don't have these conversations in traditional uh, romantic relationships, that's what we haven't been taught. People aren't going to know these tools if they haven't been exposed to them. So it's actually going, hey, look, I'm going to turn up like this and I'd really appreciate if you work through it together. Mm. And sometimes we can shut people off because they haven't learned what we've learned. Let's go. Well, how can we actually allow them to yeah. process? And it can it can feel really weird uh, the first few times to be like, "Hey, like, just so you know, this is kind of what I'm after in this relationship." Especially when that's something that's not normally what people are after in a in a relationship, or something that's not part of the cookie cutter mold. But it's so much better to be able to express that than to just like have that expectation, leave it unvoiced and just be constantly annoyed at the other person for like failing to meet an expectation that you've never actually told them. Exactly. Exactly. And we have a propensity to tell ourselves stories all the time. So we're going to make up this whole thing about this other person rather than going, these are the facts I have at the moment. Can you clarify these other areas I'm unsure about? You know, we want to make up those areas for them. And it comes from a place of like trusting the intention as well, right? Like trusting that the person that you are having a relationship with is not actually an asshole and is not out to get you or to one up you. And that everyone is just like trying their best to, to make this thing work and to make themselves and each other happy. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's just something people have to be more open to growing up. I think one thing that always annoyed me was the relationship talk like the romantic relationship talk and how much shit that would get like oh they want the talk oh like and so we all thought oh no if I if I speak my needs or my desires or the things that are hurting at the moment or where I'm at I'm going to be putting pressure on that person to have a conversation with me and open communication so we were taught to shut that down yeah, absolutely. And and because because it's not normalized, the only time that you talk about the relationship is where there's like a big problem, not just a, not just a little baby yes. problem, but like you wait until the problem is so far out of proportion that it's it's do or die time. Yeah. And then you have that conversation. And so of course that conversation becomes like a big scary thing. But it's also it's not because there's there's the trope in comedy show you know as as we as we got older and the shows got slightly more progressive they would talk about having their like define the relationship conversation um but it would be a single define the relationship conversation and it's always like uh, so are we dating and that's it that's the end of the conversation and it's a journey you you don't finish that conversation because as as time goes on the relationship evolves the people in the relationship evolve and your wants and needs will change Um, i've had like really serious relationship talks with people that i've shared emotional intimacy with for like four years and that's it's about being constantly able to like meet each other where we are at and be willing to have some flex in that and that's part of the relationship anarchy thing as well is like understanding that we care about each other but the way that we express that might change over time and that's not a failure of us or a failure of the relationship that's around like people change and dynamics change and that's totally fine as long as you are communicating about that as long as you're upfront about that as long as you're using your words yeah everyone just needs to just take this and Mm. implement it oh (laughs) absolutely that is oh i couldn't have said that better damn damn where do we go from there solve relationships you're welcome (laughs) however i'm going to assume that 
when you decided to go on this relationship and journey and bring communication more into your relationships, that it wasn't always easy. So have you got any specific tools or way to, to bring up certain conversations that you use? So I like there, there are no tools that immediately spring to mind. I will say that like, when you when you meet someone new, there's there's usually like a pretty quick judgment on like, oh, this person is just someone that is going to be quite transient in my life. And then every now and then you meet someone and you're like, oh, oh, like you're stuck with me. Um, yeah, as, as long as you could sit to that. Uh, <laughs> but there's there's that those moments where you like connect with someone, and and I tend to because I enjoy expressing my opinions, and because it's a big signal about how i view the world in general but i i will always throw out something about like relationship anarchy fairly early on in like my conversations with those people mostly because that's the sort of shit that we'll be talking about anyway if i'm becoming like emotionally intimate with someone because Mm -hmm. you know that's that's what gets me going that's my that's my coffee in the morning (laughs) so just just having that conversation right from the start so before before it's even like a hey are we gonna be a thing it's just like a oh i guess it's, it's me putting out there like right off the bat very openly like hey this is the kind of approach that i take to my relationships interpersonal relationships and if we're going to be in each other's lives we're probably going to have some like nice open communication channels around that sort of stuff Mm. yeah uh i don't have any like tools that i can point to that actually i do uh there's there's the 36 questions to fall in love which is the link we'll put it the link on the show notes um, which is a tool that you can use to like build intimacy with someone. And that's, they're not all relationship based questions, but it at least gets you thinking about like having, having those open conversations about like the things that are important to you and the things that you value. There's a, a story that John Green, the author, blogger person, uh, tells about uh, when he was engaged to his, his now wife, they went on a, a pre-marriage couples retreat thing uh, an engagement experience i think is what it's called okay. um and as part of the engagement experience there was one session where they they stood back to back with their partners and they were asked a bunch of questions and it was like yes or no questions raise your hands if uh, if yes um sort of things and it was all these couples in like a line all back to back with each other and one of the questions was um uh, do you want children? So raise your hand if you want children. And John and his his fiance, now wife, Sarah, had like talked about this, of course. And so they both raised their hands because they both knew that they wanted kids together. Uh, and then they they looked around the room, and there were all these couples starting to have arguments because only one of them had raised their hand and the other hadn't. And it's all these couples who were about to get married who had never even had a conversation about if they want kids, which is the biggest life decision you can make. Like a marriage, a marriage is pretty reversible. Kids, not so much. Can't check those back in the box. So it's it's just about like any sort of tool that encourages you to sit down with your partner, with mm. the person that you have a relationship with and have a conversation around like what are your expectations of the relationship? And so the 36 questions, there are some of those questions that touch on that and it's just a really cool experience anyway. So I can, I can recommend that, but also just like 
there's prompt cards that you can get with questions on it. But honestly, if you just want to like sit down with your partner and be like, Hey, what do you, what do you see us like looking like in five years time? Mm-hmm. And that can be a little bit scary, but it doesn't need to be. It can just be like a casual conversation to make sure you're on the same page. And if you're not, that's fine. Right. You can have, uh, I've got friends who have relationships with people somewhat traditional romantic relationships with people and they know that they have different values and they know that there is kind of an expiration date on that and that's fine as long as you acknowledge it and you're both aware of it and you're on the same page about it and no one's holding out hope that the other person's gonna change their minds to your point of view because that's dangerous i think that's great because we have this whole not everybody but there is this thing out there it's like okay well if i'm in this traditional romantic relationship we are meant to be together forever, right? And when you know that there's this long-term incompatibility, we freak out rather than going, well, I actually enjoy this person at the moment. Mm. They bring a lot to my life at the moment. If I do want kids, I might not want them with them. If I want to have a future, I might not want it with them. But there's this whole thing, like once we realize that, we think, oh, we have to finish it right now. Rather than working with them to go, are we both enjoying this? Could we enjoy this for the next two years? And then check in and see what we want to do from there. I just, I, with the fact that we get sold on this forever thing, I just think it limits our ability to have these awesome relationships with different people. And, and part of that, I think, is definitely tied to monogamy, right? Because if, if you do want to get married and have kids uh, and you're only allowed to explore a relationship, like a, a romantic relationship with one person at a time, then that means if that person is not your marriage and kids person, you're wasting time and not working towards a thing that is important to you, which is which is why like relationship anarchy by its nature, at least in my, some people say that you can have relationship anarchy from a monogamous perspective, which is basically just a relationship with communication, which is still great. It's great, but it's not really a relationship anarchy relationship. because part of the principle of relationship anarchy is being able to, is, is not imposing limits on a relationship from outside the relationship. And if you're in a monogamous relationship, that is a limit on every other relationship that you have. It's depending on how you define monogamy, that means that any other relationship you have can't have, you know, sex, kissing, physical touch, cohabitation. Um, there's also something, and I, I think also for defining a monogamous, monogamous relationship, everyone has a different line of what is breaking the rules of a monogamous relationship because for some people it's like oh it's fine if you like make out with other people or it's fine if you hold hands with someone but not if you like hug yeah everyone has a different line Mm. um and again it's that communication thing where I, i imagine a lot of people haven't discussed where that line actually is even within their own relationship because in a monogamous relationship, you only have that one person at a time, right? Whereas when, within relationship anarchy or other non-monogamy systems, you can have different people who are meeting different needs. You're not having one person who you expect to meet all of your needs, which I think most of us do. Like even if you're monogamous, romantic, uh, you probably have like, hopefully you have other people in your life, um, friends, co-workers who you can be close to and who can meet some of your needs, whether those are needs for like... Uh, conversations or gaming partners or whatever it is so you have other people meeting your needs and I think relationship anarchy just like takes that a step further where you're you're not loading most of your needs onto one person which even some other forms of non-monogamy can kind of do that so like hierarchical non-monogamy where you have one primary partner and then by definition every other partner you have is uh, secondary I guess Mm -hmm. um, which I think is problematic so so just having any type of hierarchical structures 
Yeah, I mean, it works for some people uh, and some people are totally okay being a a secondary partner and being prioritized differently. Um, I think that relationships are all different and unique and that to try to like rank them is going to cause some issues. Um, But it it also means that you kind of, again, coming back to the like the idea of relationship anarchy that uh, a relationship should be defined only by the people in that relationship uh, in, in hierarchical situation where you've got a primary partner your primary partner might have like veto rights over your other relationships or they might have um things that uh can only be done with them and not with your other partners and uh some of that comes down to like you can you can absolutely have things that you share with just one person whether that's like hey watching Shortland Street is our thing, you know. We we watch Shortland Street together, and if you've if you've seen the new episode of Shortland Street with someone else, then I'm gonna like feel heard about that. And that's around the communication piece. But as soon as that becomes rather than like a conversation around expectations and what you want out of a relationship, as soon as that becomes like a no, this is like a deal breaker, or this is this is like a restriction. It's a rule rather than a conversation. I think that's where you start to run into problems. Yeah. Well, I'm interested in how you then, when you come across those situations, how you then navigate that. Again, coming back to communication, being aware of expectations, you might set, like you said, things continue to develop over time. But how do you come back and have those conversations with the person when rules are starting to be implemented or expectations aren't being met? Yeah, I had I had an experience uh, recently where someone that I have a relationship with, I thought that we had agreed to watch the new season of Sex Education Together. Great show, by the way, available on Netflix now. So um, and then she watched it by by herself with someone else. Either either way, she'd watched it before like we got a chance to watch it together. And so I was like, I was slightly hurt by that, but we just had a conversation around it and found out that oh, cool, like our communication around this was not clear and our expectations were different. And that was that was kind of the end of it. Like it didn't need to be this big thing. Mm. Um, and so it's about understanding like when expectations aren't met if you've got open communication it's around finding why they weren't met and seeing what you can do to to have that be improved in the future because there's always going to be like things that that go wrong and I, I think i think if you start from the principle of being able to have like open communication and like compassionate communication where you're not mm. trying to win an argument with the other person and you're not trying to make them feel bad about yourself where you you are genuinely like working in each other's best interests to like figure out where the breakdown was and what you can do about it rather than trying to score points in an argument yeah, absolutely. And actually saying what you mean rather than skirting around the issue or bringing up another issue because you're annoyed about something else. Yeah, Which yeah. And happened. and like you you can also get to a point where you can have that conversation where it's like, hey, you've been saying this and you've been saying that this is what annoys you, but actually it feels like that's coming from like somewhere else. Can we Can mm. we talk about where that feeling might be coming from? Do you ever get communication exhaustion? Ooh, is that... When you say communication exhaustion, is this like a thing that you have experienced that you have like a, a definition for? Or is this just I, like a, a hypothetical communication yeah. could become exhausting? Not something I have a definition for, but I guess something I've had previously because I'm trying to really improve my communication in my different relationships. But that I mean, obviously interpersonal. And I've had somebody mention, oh, it's just, I just want to not talk about that type of stuff. We always talk about this. So we always go into depth about this. So we talk about how we're feeling and... And for them, it's quite exhausting. So 
being an open communicator like you are in your relationship, have you had to navigate that at all? I think there's there's been times where it's been where it's felt like like I, I am not saying that I have perfect communication in all of my relationship. Hopefully that's that's apparent. Um, I am <laughs> still somewhat human um, and and somewhat fallible, and and so it's not like my relationships are just like perfect amounts of communication. And there has been times where it's been where it's felt like. I've had the same conversation with the same person multiple times and that can become quite frustrating. But then it's about like figuring out, okay, like what's the root of that? Why do we keep coming back to this? And it's, it's not like every single time I see anyone in my life, I am having to have a conversation of like, Hey, just checking in. Are we still in the same place in our relationship as we were yesterday? But it's, it's about having that door open, I guess. I wouldn't say that I've had communication exhaustion overall. I think communication exhaustion to me would be like a symptom of something else. Mm. Um, So maybe if it's really hard to have those conversations, it's because, uh, and I I don't want to like read too much into into this uh, hypothetical situation and start making assessments of other people's relationships on it. Yeah. But um, maybe maybe if it's becoming too exhausting, it's because you actually have like some fundamental issues that you are not addressing. And that can be kind of where the issue lies. Like, And so that communication becomes challenging every time because every time you have that conversation, you know that you're like a step closer to acknowledging that your relationship isn't going to end the way that you Mm. want it to um Mm. and i've like one of my monogamous romantic relationships was definitely a bit like that where we just had like a whole string of conversations where we from my point of view at least uh where we acknowledged like we are on massively different pages about this and that's like a a core difference that is irreconcilable and is probably going to result in this relationship ending and then we kind of didn't really have that conversation Mm. and so the relationship just kept on going and we were Again, from my point of view, both kind of avoiding this this elephant in the room. And that can become really exhausting when you're avoiding a, a subject because you don't like what the outcome might be. Yeah, definitely. And I think it can be linked to that whole taboo we have around those relationship talks. And so if somebody is trying to open communication about your relationship, because like you said, and I identify as, as a journey, right? You're always having to check in and, and have a look at things. You know, people can go, oh my gosh, we're talking about a relationship all the time. This must mean we have issues, you know, because it's not supposed to be this hard. We're not supposed to have all these conversations. It's supposed to be easy. Oh, that whole, it shouldn't be this hard is like, yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah, I think sometimes it can lead to be sunshine that. and daisies and rainbows at the time. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I would counter that by saying that this this notion that like, oh, relationships are like heaps of work and you need to like put in the effort and if it's not a struggle, you're doing it wrong is like also kind of problematic um, mm-hmm. because sometimes a relationship is a struggle because it's a bad relationship. Absolutely. Um, but definitely like you need to have some conversations and it's, I think I kind of touched on this before, but it's, it's around having the, having those conversations where it's not a bad thing and that can just be like, having a conversation about the relationship that's like a real positive like hey i i really love the way that we've been like supporting each other over the last couple of weeks um it's been really good to like have this sort of thing so you can have positive chickens as well it doesn't that's, actually, that's a really important thing to highlight you know I, as you mentioned we seem to communicate when things are going wrong but it's like let's actually open that positive communication up oh man that goes for like that's not just relationships like we should be communicating about good things all of the time yeah it's something that we i think we all need to to get better at yeah yeah we've got to use our words now i just want to clarify something with you you know how you're like you know this partners in quotation mark or romantic relationships in quotation mark do you prefer them to be called anything what would you 
call those people that you're going into a different, I guess, a more emotional and intimate realm with. Right. So this, this predates um, my relationship with relationship anarchy. Um, and the, what, what, I, what I was saying earlier about like having closer emotional intimacy with my friends than with my uh, partners. And so, so I find it really hard to like draw a defining line between, mm-hmm. between partners in quotation marks and like friends and mm. other people in my life because when you start from this relationship anarchy style and like a relationship can look like anything and you have all sorts of different components and yada 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 then like they're just kind of arbitrary categories that some people end up in the line once you start having multiple once you start acknowledging that you have relationships interpersonal relationships with everyone in your life um and once you open the door to the possibility of like multiple relationships having aspects of romance or sex or physical touch or emotional intimacy then it becomes kind of meaningless to start trying to categorize people as like friends versus partners versus acquaintances Um, and it's very much like a a multi-dimensional spectrum rather than a clear binary just like everything else in life yeah definitely and that's that's so interesting and i I wonder how you navigate jealousy. Has that ever come up? You know, we, we do exist and are affected by the society around us. Yeah. And I think part of, part of that is like, I, I don't feel as much jealousy as I used to. I feel, I, I used to be really worried that I was starting to feel a lot of jealousy um, because I, I was disliking some of the people that some of the people I had relationships with were entering into relationships with um but it turns out that some of the people that i notice have really shit taste uh and that they were entering relationships with shitty people um i don't think anyone that might listen to this would be offended by that statement <laughs> um i hope not Honestly, uh, listening to this so i was i was like i was worried that i was feeling really jealous and then and then some of the people that i'm really close to who i i disliked their partners previously um started having relationships with people who i was like oh no this person's really cool like that's awesome and i am so happy for them and so i have recently been feeling a lot of compersion Uh, so compersion is the opposite of jealousy uh it's it's a word that's uh, starting to become more popular hopefully i'm i'm on like a uh a one-person crusade to uh, get it into like everyone's everyone's vocabulary, but compersion is someone that you love has something awesome happen to them, and that rather than feeling jealous, you feel like that warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Um, oh, that's cool. And it specifically was coined around relationships. And I've had situations where my people, who other people would call my partners, have got new partners or have been sharing stories about like experiences that they've had with other people. And it's just like this warm, fuzzy feeling that feels so fucking amazing. Um, and that's, ah, oh, that's such a, that's such a joy to be able to experience that and to be able to see the people that I love being happy and not have any sort of problematic thoughts with that. And so I haven't, I haven't really struggled with it too much. And maybe I'm just lucky to like be wired in a, in a different way where I don't feel the jealousy as much. Um, maybe, and I think a, a lot of that comes from like having a different view on relationships where it's, it's not around owning a person's time and them having an obligation to you. I think a lot of that kind of has 
to do with being confident in yourself and in the relationship that you have with the person. So it's a lot easier to feel positively when they're talking about their new relationship if you know that your relationship with them is secure or at the very least that you know that you are secure regardless of your relationship with them. But in most of the cases where I've felt like there's awesome feelings of compersion, it's been... um, I know that I have a really strong relationship with the person who is sharing a story of this new exciting thing they've got going on. And I know that my relationship with them isn't going anywhere. And so that leaves me free to just like be really happy for them being happy. I love that. And I love how it's just accepting the place you have in a person's life Mm. and knowing that you're going to be fine regardless. You're whole. I mean, the whole trope of I've found my other half or, you know, something was always missing or, you know, we rely on these other people to fill the shit that we should be filling ourselves. Yeah. If, if you're waiting around for someone else to come and completely complete you, you are going to be miserable. Oh, absolutely. Um, mm. And like, that's not going to be a healthy relationship when they, when they do come along. Like, yeah. If you're expecting someone else to complete you, that's such an unhealthy thing to bring to a relationship. I think. Cause you're never going to be satisfied and you're always going to want them to be something that they potentially can't be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're going to be expecting one person to meet all of your needs, which is very unrealistic. Absolutely. Obviously, it's something that you're really passionate talking about. And I can imagine, because many people won't have come across these type of concepts before, what is the reaction you usually get from people? Usually really positive. Um, but I, I guess partially because of the people that I happen to be having these conversations with. Um, but people from all sorts of different backgrounds, because as, as long as you're coming to the conversation with an open mind, like all I'm saying is that you should communicate with people and that you should not take any assumptions into your relationships, including the assumption of monogamy, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a particularly hot take. When you tell people that you have relationships with multiple people, and I'm, by this, you know, I'm talking about their idea of traditional relationships. Are there stereotypes around it that you kind of have to quell? They, do they think you're having sex with like multiple women just so you can? Or Not that I've come across. Mm. Um, and that's partially, I imagine, because of the people that I'm having those conversations with and partially because of the way that I frame it. Yeah. yeah. But I, I haven't come across any like major stereotypes. I think there are stereotypes out there. I just haven't come across them because usually by that point, by the, by the point that I'm having a conversation with someone about it, um, we're getting into like the details and the nitty gritty. So if they were going to have assumptions, they get dispelled pretty quickly anyway. Yeah. What I would want to say is people must be quite interested in potentially doing something like this in their life. What would you recommend for them if they were interested in exploring this way of having relationships? I mean, if you're already in a relationship, uh, it's, it's that use your words thing. So have a conversation with your partner about like where you're at um, and, and what your expectations are for the relationship. Uh, and if you, if you decide that you do both want a monogamous relationship, maybe at least have a conversation around like, okay, like where's the line? Um, and I, I, if, you're, if you're not and you're just looking for something, like just be upfront about it. Just, just make it really clear when you start forming a new relationship with someone like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about not monogamy is probably the best way to put it, unless you want to go on a, on a long tirade about relationship anarchy. But like, <laughs> Hey, I'm kind of thinking about non-monogamy. So I, like, I wouldn't want this to be anything exclusive. Um, and also just like, Hey, what are you after from this relationship? So, so the principles can apply to like a relationship that you've got with just one person. 
Um, and that might also be like having a conversation with your friends of like, hey, where are we at with our relationship? And are we are we meeting each other's needs in a way that we want to? Is there anything else that we might want to like add to our relationship? Like, do we want to start baking cakes at two in the morning, either literally or metaphorically? So it's it's around being able to have that conversation. And like, I don't want to I don't want to imply that like I have this conversation with literally everyone that I meet, or that it's like it's as simple as just sitting down and talking about all this. Some of the time, it's just having an awareness that like, oh, we don't need to sit down and actively define this relationship, but we are both aware that this could go anywhere and that we're not entering into this with expectations so we're not like sitting down and saying okay we want this this and this and this but we are having an openness to kind of explore the relationship and figure out what it is that we want and as we're exploring that we're having a conversation around like i really like this aspect of what we're doing or like actually i don't think that this is what i'm looking for out of our relationship Mm. So what do you think your favorite thing is about being a relationship anarchist and the most challenging part of it? I mean, my favorite thing is being able to have lots of incredibly fulfilling relationships with different people. And the most challenging thing is trying to explain it to other people. Um, And I've never had a conversation where I've like explained relationship anarchy and been met with resistance, right? Which, which is really is really nice most of the people that i've had the conversation with have been at least somewhat on board outwardly um i don't know if any of them have actually like gone and changed the uh, styles of the relationships that they are having but yeah so so i think that's the biggest challenge is like trying to find the right words to explain what it means and why i think it's a really positive way of of approaching your relationships not gonna lie like you fucking changed way i thought about lots of things and then Every person who's my friend, poor things, get bombarded with like a, this is a whole new way you can look at life. Like, let's challenge your understanding of relationships and interpersonal relationships. It's been awesome. And then their minds get blown. And then it's just um, little bits unraveling and just the people questioning the way they live. It's just so much fun. I mean, even just having this conversation, it highlights to me the need to do this, as you said, in all relationships. Do I sit down with my friends enough? Do we go through together? Are we meeting each other's needs? Where do we want to move in this? Mm. Is there a space that we haven't explored together and we want to explore together? And we just have all of these assumptions about Mm. the type of relationships we had. So I think that's a key part is we spend a lot of time thinking about romantic relationships, which means we put way too much pressure on them. And we don't put enough into our other relationships as well. And I love the fact that you highlighted why is there a hierarchy? Why are these traditional romantic relationships above and beyond our Mm. family and our friends. Oh, and like everyone's got those friends who as soon as they enter a monogamous relationship, they just stop being a friend. Like they just drop off the face of the earth and then they they break up and suddenly it's like back to normal <laughs> and and it happens like a like a freaking roller coaster I, I think almost everyone has someone like that in their lives and it's frustrating absolutely like you, you feel a bit neglected when it's like oh like okay you're in this other thing that okay bye <laughs> bye I, I find that happens sometimes as well it's if you're in a friendship with a guy and he goes into a longer relationship with a, a woman for oh. me there's that's where it can get quite complicated because we have these assumptions that men shouldn't be able to be friends with women when they're in a relationship and vice versa. Sucks. Yeah. So, good I mean, from that. I mean, there's all this, all this, like the, the way that we, I, I was going to touch on this earlier and I forgot to, but like the, when you, when you're growing up, if you're a guy, if you're a boy growing up and you're friends with a girl, 
you are going to have everyone in your life commenting on the fact that like you, you should be in a relationship. And I don't, I don't mean the other kids. I mean the adults in mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's messed up in a bunch of different ways. Um, like it's, it's incredibly heteronormative. Uh, it's incredibly imaginative. It's sexualizing kids relationships and kids friendships and putting all sorts of like weird pressure on them. It's yeah, it's got so many issues. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, in our last conversation we had with Thorea, we mentioned about sexualizing kids' masturbation and self-pleasure aspects. And it's just an exploration of their bodies for them, just like they're exploring other parts. But adults come in with their opinions about certain matters and it just restricts us. Suddenly all of our things, of our relationships with different people, all of our exploration of who we are is put into this box and defined by their fears and their limitations they put on themselves. As a as a kid growing up, like you become basically just the sum of all of the baggage of the adults around you, right? <laughs> yes. What a like what a sentence, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And we have to deal with our own baggage, and yet we've got all the baggage of, of them to carry as well. Mm. Yeah, and it it takes a while to like break out from that, even once you start consciously making an effort to, right? Definitely, a lot of unlearning. Deep down, do you think that relationship anarchy is for everyone? Or maybe not even deep down, maybe surface. <laughs> <laughs> um, huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some people are going to be perfectly happy in a monogamous relationship, but I think they could still take the principles and actually have those conversations and think about it. Like, I'm not saying that everyone needs to be poly in any sort of way there's a bit that comes back to one of the questions you asked before around like the assumptions and one of the assumptions around like polyamory is that it's basically taking a monogamous relationship and multiplying it oh yeah and that would definitely not be working for me right like uh, if one monogamous relationship wasn't working then I don't think it's just a matter of like, oh, I'm just going to add some more people to this to this mix. Um, and that's why I was quite dismissive of polyamory uh, earlier mm. on in my relationships. But to, to me, having like a different framework and having the way of thinking about your relationships and actually having conversations rather than making assumptions, I think that can apply to everyone. And I think that one of those conversations you should have should be around is our relationship monogamous Um are we placing limits on the things that we should do with other people? And for some people, they want to have a relationship with someone where there are agreed upon boundaries that impact the other relationships. And that's mm-hmm. the anti-relationship anarchy part. But I think the rest of the principles can definitely be taken on by anyone. People are getting more into open relationships, but I would see that as you know, a semi-monogamous relationship with just ability to explore other relationships within limitations. Yeah, and a lot of the times there'll be limits on whether you can have like an emotional connection with someone or whether it can just be sex or vice versa, depending yes. on where your personal boundaries are, like what you've what you've been brought up to believe is, is the deal breaker. Mm. Um, so I, I see a lot of people... Since since I've since I've, I think I've already done a pretty good job of like pissing off any monogamous people. Um, if I could piss off all of the the non-monogamous people as well by saying that I see a lot of people doing non-monogamy in a way that's basically taking all of the problematic parts of monogamy and just like keeping them going but opening the relationship. And that's often it'll be like established couples that are like, oh, like yeah, we're we're in a relationship but we're allowed to like sleep with other people um, or it'll be that hierarchical uh, polyamory or that sort of thing where you've still got a lot of the same inherent issues that come with 
having that that baggage from like being brought up on shitty rom-coms that's a really interesting point to me because i think i've discussed open relationships a lot more than other ones something that happens when i talk to people about polyamory or if it just comes up in a discussion is that they often see it as synonymous to polygamy because there's not enough out there discussing the differences do you (laughs) briefly say how they're different uh, so, so polygamy is marrying multiple people. Uh, it's illegal in a lot of, in a lot of places, um, which is a whole other conversation. Um, it's also there are like a lot of when people think polygamy, they generally think like a lot of the culty style stuff. I think um, yes. where it's done in a very concerning, problematic, fucked up way. Polyamory, in contrast, is just like having loving relationships with multiple people. But there's there's a lot more baggage, I think, that goes with polygamy. Yeah. Um, and then obviously there's a lot of countries, for instance, New Zealand, it's illegal. Mm. One thing I, because th- when I was doing the, the research before this call and I was like, oh yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Like polygamy, I guess, is it's usually one person marrying lots of different people rather than those two people having a relationship together, then allowing to go out and have different yeah. relationships. Yeah, whereas yeah, polyamory it's it's a it's a web, it's a network, um, yeah. and there's again different ways of doing it. Um, some that I have stronger opinions about than others, but some people will do like polyamory in a don't ask, don't tell sort of way, um, mm. which I think creates a bunch of issues. But that's basically like, look, you can do whatever you want with other people. I just don't want to hear about it. Whereas the opposite of that would be what's called kitchen table polyamory, which is mm. um, where you can picture everyone involved sitting around the kitchen table and and having a meal together and i I much prefer that kind of open style because like why would you why would you cut out this aspect of your life because that implies that there's like something to to hide and there's something wrong with it i guess Uh, but also it's just about like being open and communicating with everyone Um, it could be that you just are naturally a jealous person and you recognize it about yourself you don't want to put that on another person so it's like hey look i'm so happy you're in other neutral beautiful relationships with people but if I hear about it too much, I know my jealous nature is going to come out. And that's yeah, in the work that needs to be done. But Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where, I, I think it does come from that really positive place of like, cool. I like, I acknowledge that I am having these feelings and that I don't think that these feelings that I'm having are valid. And while I work through that, I would appreciate yeah. if you don't trigger those feelings. And I think that's, that's a, that can be a good way to do it. If you are then working through like, okay, where is this jealousy coming from? Is that, coming from my own insecurity or somewhere else because we're we're not inherently jealous like if you look at the way that people had relationships back in back in caveman days right like we have like historically had lots of tribal style family units like that's where we come from as a species um and i can't imagine that working with jealousy and and like so many things, it's it's a social construct. But it like doesn't make it not real. So it's still yeah. something that you need to like acknowledge and, and try to work through. But also like for me, part of part of being open is if I have all of these awesome people in my life, then I want them to be able to like appreciate each other's awesomeness and hang out together as well. I like what you said before. It's a network. Yeah, yeah. You get to meet all these, and they've already been vetted by someone whose opinion you get. <laughs> Although, as as I said before, some of my like partners in quotation marks um, have terrible taste, or at least have bad track records. <laughs> How's this going to change uh, the way that you approach your relationships going forward? Oh, communication is the first step, I think. How do I open those communication channels even more and make both people feel comfortable being vulnerable? But I would have to probably sit down and go, what do I de- like? What do I want deep down? 
right, if I take away society's bullshit, mm. I'd have to sit down and fucking brainstorm the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah, just just make a list. That'll that'll just help. Make a list. I love a list. Oh. Yeah, it, it's definitely harder to like have that in a in an existing relationship um, because that can be seen as quite uh, threatening. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, from the other person if, if they're not at the same place as you on the journey yes. um, and if you're the one bringing it up presumably they're not at the same place as you right like that's that's yeah. how conversations work um, if they're not at the same place as you, as you on the journey they can feel quite like ambushed the important part there is to just be really clear about like hey like this came up in a conversation um, and have been thinking about it and like it comes back to the what we were saying before in conversations about the relationship that aren't all from like a negative point of view, right? It's like, Hey, let's talk about our relationship, but not in a scary way. Yeah. Um, and it's like, Hey, let's talk about like non-monogamy, but not in a, I didn't immediately want to start hooking up with heaps of other people. way. Yeah. Yeah. Unless that is what you're going for, in which case, like maybe that should be part of the conversation. Yeah. And I think part of the work, like if I'm thinking and taking out of this as well, is that I would have to really write down, where my issues would be. You know, I, I know that I still follow the same reactions that society's taught me to have. So I'd have to do a lot of inner work in order to be able to approach it in a healthy way as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not easy to like start tearing down societal, like the systems that have been ingrained in you from a, from a mm. young age. But once you start, you, you get hooked on it pretty quickly. So fun. <laughs> What's one area of your sexuality that you want to keep exploring? Or that you want to explore it? I guess, like, like the biggest thing that I am currently exploring would be, like, other than obviously, like, relationships are an ongoing exploration. Um, the biggest thing that I'm currently exploring would be, like, my, my sexuality and trying to f- figure out, like, 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 sorry, my, my, my sex specific sexuality. Cause I know you said yeah. you're using sexuality as like, yeah. a, as like a broad thing. Um, and trying to figure out, like, what, that looks like for me um like i've been i've dabbled with like so after a romantic also dabbled with gray ace so like partially asexual Mm. as like a label um i know that that brie hates this phrase but i i feel like i have a much lower sex drive than like pretty much everyone else that i have conversations about sex with i'm gonna Um, give you emily nagoski's book come as you are which talks about how bullshit sex drives are mm. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, like, I can, you, I can rephrase that as like I have less enthusiasm for sex. Yeah. But yeah, like that's that's definitely something that I am still trying to like figure out whether that's just like a, an effort and energy thing or whether, yeah, like I, I, I find it really hard to understand people who are like just having sex all of the time. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. And I think was it your super who like talked about priorities, right? It's just your priorities. And what you're enthusiastic about. So if it's I mean, every, everything's priorities, right? Like whenever we say that we don't have time for something, what we really mean is yeah. that we're not prioritizing it high enough. Um, and like sex is a lower priority for me than, yeah. than a lot of other things like sleep. Yeah. Um, I think that's awesome to claim because I think there's a lot of pressure for people to be like, sex should be one of your major priorities. Oh yeah. That's one of the biggest unlearning. Like one of the things that you're taught, growing up especially like being socialized male um mm. like you're taught that you're supposed to sex is this amazing thing and you're supposed to want heaps of it and like 
it's it's a transactional relationship that you have with um people who've been socialized female and like that's it's so fucked up um but it takes a lot of like unlearning to to get away from a lot of that and are taking the most unlearning is like around how much sex you should want mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that that's also a journey you know sometimes it's a lot sometimes not at all oh yeah it goes it goes in waves and those Mm. waves can be like years long or they can be minutes long like and they can be affected by something or affected by nothing you know it could be because you're stressed or it could be you know you've got a lot of work on or whatever but it could also be oh actually my life is fine it's it's okay i'm just not in the mood for it yeah yeah and like i mean that's not just that's that's like everything um like a lot of different aspects of the relationship I would say have that like similar thing where it's like, Oh, I'm just really not feeling like physical contact right now. Or actually like, I just want to, I want to sit in the same space as someone, but I do not want to be talked to. And I definitely don't want to have like a big life discussion, um, which is quite out of character for me. So it can be off putting for, for some of the people that I'm close to when I am yeah. in that space where I'm not wanting to have a big life conversation. Mm, they're like, Oh, what the fuck's happening? And then they want to psychoanalyze. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's that's fantastic! I really like that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I thank you yeah, for having I've, me on. This has been really fun. <laughs> it's been so much fun, and there is probably a lot more to discuss. So I'm like, ah, oh, we'll probably pull Tom back a, another day. And if anybody has specific questions, I'll just like <laughs> keep them tallied up, and and we can have a follow up conversation because this is yeah, not bomb, this bomb is, bar with all the questions. I'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much. This is awesome. I know you guys would have got a lot out of what you've just heard and I want you to take some time and process it and figure out if anything that Tom said really resonated with you and how you might incorporate some of the incredible insights he gave you into your own life and your own relationships. I'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions about what you heard. So make sure to check out the Instagram page at letsgetsexual.podcast and let me know. Bye guys, have a great week.